Howdy. Welcome to 127 on the Mic. This sermon was recorded by our college pastor, John Davison, as we walk through the book of Daniel on Sunday nights here at 127. We believe that God has something unique to teach us and how the book of Daniel points us to how Jesus is the greater Daniel. If you have any questions, feel free to check out our website, which is fbcbryan.org college. Thank you. Daniel chapter 12. Let me pray and then we'll, we'll jump into this. Thanks for that fun. Uh, God, we thank you for we thank you for the book of Daniel. We'll just just say that we thank you for how, the challenging parts of it, but where it lands and the direction that it pushes us and the hope that it gives us. And so, would you stir all of that up uh, today? We're just, we're just trusting you with it as we lean in and, and close out uh, this book, um, knowing that it has a really deep purpose. May we understand that more clearly by your Spirit. We trust you to do so in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, First John. I'm just going to go back here. You don't have to follow me. First John chapter three. Uh, It starts off like this. Just stay in Daniel. It says, see what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we're just praying that's everybody in here, because here's the promise. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Verse 2, dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears. And then he follows this in verse 3, and... Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This is a great verse to, to like lean into the idea of discipleship. This is what John's point is, is hey, discipleship is important. Why? Because your thoughts about your future, your thoughts about your destiny affect how you function now. This is college student 101. You're preparing to do something later, right? You're, you want to be a, a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or a teacher or whatever like the Lord is laying on your heart. You're, you're taking steps to get to that point. And so your understanding of your future, it impacts your current like operation. And in a biblical sense, when we understand what our future is, it impacts your discipleship. It impacts how you chase after Jesus, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 12, we know how difficult this was to get to this point. Daniel begins to convey the same message in the final chapter here in a, uh, a prophetic way. Like, like the hope that he has in a future resurrected body, we're going to see this in verse 2, provides his motivation for his discipleship that we see in verse 3. Uh, and, and as I was reading through this, a, a guy who wrote a really good book on Daniel, his name is Daniel Aiken, pulls out nine Uh, marks that he calls uh, eschatological discipleship, which means just end times discipleship, just big boy word. And he pulls out these nine characteristics or things that we can hold on to when we think about the end times, because Daniel 12 really does a good job of just faithfully teaching us how we live as exiles or aliens, as we and James, um, in this world and knowing what the future is and how it should change the way that we think. And so we're just going to run through. We're going to grab all nine of these as we read through these 13 verses. Now, this one is a little bit easier than any of the rest that we've uh, covered in Daniel, except for one verse. And we'll get to that here in a minute. Let's just start in verse one. At that time. Let me stop. This is, this is the beginning of chapter 12. And at that time links... Uh, this chapter to what was happening in Daniel chapter 11. And if you were with us, you know that that was all antichrist stuff that was end times language. And he's going, when the end times come at this time, this is what's gonna happen. Michael, the great prince 
who stands watch over your people will rise up. And so in the end times, Michael, this angel, we see that he's called the archangel later on in the New Testament. He is this protector. He is this comforter. He's the great prince who stands watch over his people. He leads this victorious uh, war against Satan and his angels. We can read that in Revelation chapter 12. Just make that note. Um, Michael is like all the other angels are. Here's a difficult uh, verse for some of you like really staunch Arminians out there. Uh, he is sent out as he is sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation. Hebrews 1.14. The angel is going out to protect those who are going to inherit salvation. So we're going we're to wrestle with that because if you didn't know, we're studying Hebrews next semester. And so this is the angel that it has appeared. And what does he give? The first one, we should be comforted by God's protection. At the end times, this angel, this great prince, this comforter is going to rise up and stand beside God's people. I love it. He's called just like a warrior advocate for Israel. And when we look at that, we go, okay, this is an encouragement to Israel then, but now that we're post-resurrection, we know that Romans 11 and most of Ephesians is just gonna proclaim that the church is God's people. And so this angel is for the church. We should be comforted by God's protection as we live for Jesus. Why? Because his angels are on our side and they are busy at work on your behalf. That is your comfort. But then this, there will be a time of distress such as never has occurred. It goes from comfort to this kind of trouble. If you flip over or look over on verse seven, then I heard a man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river. He raised both of his hands towards heaven and swore by him who lives eternally that it would be for a time, times and half a time, we'll explain that in a minute, when the power of the holy people is shattered. Okay, when you think about I'm comforted and then you connect it to the holy people are shattered, there is going to be a time of distress such as never has occurred. We go from comfort to this idea, you have to be ready for trouble. You have to be ready for intense persecution. When you think about end times discipleship, this is the thing that you should put on your mind. This is 2 Timothy 3.12. All who wanna live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's just a promise to you. I don't like that it's a promise to you. I wish it was all who wish to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will live a fluffy and happy life. But it's not that, because often the Lord makes his name known as people go through difficult seasons and they see you persevere through those seasons for God's glory and they go, how do you do that? So we have to be ready for trouble and intense persecution. Jesus just echoes this. When you look at Mark 13, 19, this is Matthew 24, which says, for those will be the days of tribulation, the kind that hasn't been from the beginning of creation until now and never will be again. This is what is promised to us. Trouble is on the way. It comes now. Of course, like I think a lot of you would go just in the, in the ebb and flow of my normal everyday life, like it's difficult at times, John. And, and I would agree with you. But these troubles that we experience now are just a small taste of what is to come. And since we have no idea what that day is going to look like, then you have to prepare yourself for that day now. 
You got to prepare yourself in the way that you're seeking the Lord, in the way that you're thinking. You live as holy people with a holy purpose, even if your life is shattered, even if it's broken into pieces. A part of your daily discipleship is going, God, I, I know that this is coming. Can I see you more clearly? Can you purify me? Can you cleanse me? Can you help me understand you more clearly, being refined by the power of the gospel through the Holy Spirit, helping me prepare for that? It's, it's important. Uh, for those of you that are math and science guys, you should start reading John Lennox. He, he is just incredible, some of the stuff that he says. And uh, he, he wrote this. It is hard to get one's mind around this grim statement. The time of Antiochus was horrendous, as was the period around the later fall of Jerusalem. The Holocaust beggars description. But Daniel indicates that there is an even worse time to come at the end. And so this is just what we need to be thinking for. We gotta be ready. We can't be caught by surprise for what is to come. I'm not saying that, hey, the end times are gonna happen while you're alive. I don't know that. It would be cool to see. But I don't know that for you. But you need to be thinking that way because God's word has revealed what is to come and you can be doing your type of discipleship thinking that way. The third one is this. We're still in verse one. Since the nations came into being until that time, but at that time, all your people who were found written in the book will escape. Like, I love this. There's a comfort, but there will be trouble. But this is God's promise to you. He's going to rescue you. You, you can count on God to rescue you. This, this trouble that's coming, but don't be alarmed because this is what Gabriel says to Daniel. At that time, your people shall be delivered. That's the ESV. You will be rescued. Those that were found written in the book will escape the CSB. And, and we know that, like this is the promise to Israel, but it's also the promise to us, the church. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, which means you have experienced salvation, then your deliverance is assured. Your destiny is secure. No one can take you out of God's hands. He's going to rescue you. You can just count on that. It's a cool promise to hold on to. The fourth one though, it's pretty cool. Verse two, many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. That is the resurrection. And you have a hope in this resurrection. One of the amazing components of God's deliverance of us is the resurrection. The empty tomb of Jesus in Jerusalem reminds us of that. It's a cool part of the story to go. This is our hope one day. And so we, you have to know, we see this all throughout scripture, that resurrection is for everyone. And so, so resurrection day also becomes separation day. This is important, okay? Because some of us, when, when we understand like, okay, we die and we go down to the earth, but then, but then when the second coming happens at the end days, then, then we are resurrected. And as we are raised along with everybody else, that's where the similarity ends between us because then those whose names were found written in the book, they get eternity with God. The other side gets Daniel 2.12. What does it say? Disgrace and eternal contempt. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life, some to disgrace and eternal contempt. And so those are cast into the lake of fire, Revelation 20, where Revelation 14 says that the smoke and the torment of them will rise into the air forever. That's the, the other side of this, and it should break your heart when you think about that. Uh, C.S. Lewis does a really good job of helping us understand like what is at stake in this verse when he says this. It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. 
to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would strongly be tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. It is immortals with whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Like when you think of it that way, that you're surrounded by immortals that are either going to live their life with God or live their life separated from God eternally, it maybe should change the way that you think a little bit. Like the resurrection is a guarantee and you never know like who you're beside. God's people have this hope in a future bodily resurrection, but it should also stir you to mission because everybody has a hope in a resurrection. We don't want them to experience the separation. Cool promise as you look forward to discipleship. We have a hope in the resurrection. Here's the next one. Verse three, those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. It's this idea in discipleship that you need to live wisely and point other people to Jesus. Verse three, all throughout scripture, and I'm reading some of these commentaries and I've heard this before. Verse three is called the soul winner's promise. It's a, a cool little verse that, that is a, just a great companion for so many other promises that we see all throughout scripture, that if we would just make it our business of disciple making, that's the language in the New Testament, then we will, as this says, we will shine like the bright expanse of the heaven. We will lead people to righteous like the stars forever and ever. And as, as someone who is a Christ follower, he came to do what? Seek and save the lost. And if you're going to be a Christian, which literally is just like Jesus with skin on, that's your mission too. Now, you're not involved so much in the salvation part of it. Jesus already took care of that. But you get to invite them into the story. And so that should be your mission. You should live wisely and point other people to Jesus. This is this this really powerful motive for evangelism. This will mess with some of you because John Calvin wrote this. No one of God's children ought to confine their attention privately to themselves. But as far as possible, everyone ought to interest himself in the welfare of his brethren. God has deposited this teaching of his salvation with us, not for the purpose of our privately keeping to ourselves, but for pointing out the way of salvation to all of mankind. That's your mission, to live wisely and to point other people to Jesus. That's the hope that we have in an end times, like mindset of discipleship. That's your goal. We live wisely by engaging in God's word. This is the next point. And pointing other people to Jesus. Verse four. But you, Daniel, keep these words secret and seal the book until the time of the end. Many will roam about and knowledge will increase. And you read this and you get a little bit confused um, because it's maybe kind of challenging to understanding because it looks like it says, hey, hide these words, seal this book up until the very end. Don't let anybody read it. This is not really what it's saying. The idea is not to hide the words, but to protect them. The idea is to keep them safe. Seal the book has this double, double meaning of uh, authenticating and preserving the completeness of so that other people can hear it. God's people need God's word from the Lord, especially as we move closer to the end times because we need to be ready. We can't be taken by surprise by what is to come. And the closer we get to the end, the more important scripture is for us. And if you're faithful in your, in your study of scripture, especially when you get closer to the end, 
then you're gonna have a clear, gla- a clear grasp of its meaning. And it's, it's this idea, that your immersion into something brings insight into that thing. Your immersion into it brings insight. I think of it this way. I'm not a fan of the ocean. I'm excited about when revelation actually happens and the sea is no more. Like, I'm, I love that, okay? Uh, people are like, well, the ocean's beautiful. It smells funny, okay? Uh, sharks live there, and so you're not supposed to go play in the shark's house. They eat you. Uh, and you're gonna be like, well, more people get struck by lightning than eaten by sharks. Yes, because we live on land. If you lived in the ocean, you'd all get eaten. Just a simple fact, all right? Ocean's scary. But snorkeling? Some of you are crazy enough to be like, I love snorkeling. Like if I'm, I think I'm okay, and it's happened a couple times we've done some mission trips where we've been on boats in the ocean, and I'm good, like up there, above it. And some of you are like, dude, put on the snorkel mask, it's beautiful. Sure, but then you also see how scary it is. Because have you ever done that? Some of you have been snorkeling, you're like, you're sitting there, you've you're got your flippers on, and all of a sudden someone's like, boop, boop, and you look down, and shark. That's where it gets scary. But immersion into something does what? It brings insight into that thing. Because above the water, you're just like, this is, this kind of waves, and it's kind of like a little blurry something down there. But as soon as you get down into it, you go, oh, reef, Nemo, shark. It brings insight. And this is what God is calling you to, to immerse yourself into God's word so that you will have insight. Many will roam and knowledge will increase. And then the next one. Uh, Five through nine, we're just gonna read all of them. Then I, Daniel, looked, and two others were standing there, one on this bank and one on the other. He's like, okay, I got Daniel, this angel, and then a couple more angels showed up, and they're on either side of the bank. One of them said to the man dressed in linen who was above the water of the river, just right on the margins, this is Jesus. How long until the end of these wondrous things? Verse seven, then I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the water of the river. He raised both of his hands. It's a weird response. He raised both of his hands toward heaven and swore by him who lives eternally that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. That's three and a half years. When the power of the holy people is shattered, all these things will be completed. Verse eight, I heard, but I did not understand. Yep, I read and I did not understand. So I asked my Lord, what will be the outcome of these things? And he said, go on your way, Daniel, for the words are secret and sealed until the time of the end. And so when you go, hey, what does this mean? He's like, doesn't matter, get. <laughs> Immerse yourself in God's word. Just hang on, this, this is what it is. And, and so what he's saying in this is one of these next things is we just have to patiently wait. We gotta patiently trust in this, that, that God's will is going to bring an end to all of these things at just the right time. Like we just gotta patiently trust that God has this and he's gonna end it all at at the time that he has just ordained for it to end. It's just a unique picture that we see here um, between angel, angel, and Jesus. And Jesus raises his hands. He's like, by him who lives eternally, here's the answer to your question. It's going to be about three and a half years. And in that, though, there's going to be a terrible time of distress. The end will come right on time, but the end comes right on time when all of God's people are shattered. It is then and only then that all of this stuff is complete. Legion Duncan says this, when evil has done its worst, we are told, as soon as the shattering of 
power of the holy people, all of these events will be complete. When evil has done its worst and the hopes of the people of God have been shattered, then God will act. The grim work of the, oppress- of the oppressors will roll on and on, but at the appropriate moment, God will intervene. And Daniel, he continues to encourage me because he sees this and he goes, I don't understand. And like, yep, I don't understand when is going to be the, the finish of this? When will the outcome of these things happen? And he says, go on your way. They're secret, they're sealed. Go about your business. Go, live your life, Daniel. You, you've received what you're going to get. And the thing that you're getting here is enough. It should sustain you. This prophecy and its understanding is going to become more clear only when what? God just unveils history at just the right hour. And in that promise, though, you have to understand, God's word is protected. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so you are good. You are going to be preserved. And everything is going to happen at just the right time. And so he's going, be faithful, trust, be patient. Because here's the thing. God's never late, but he's also never early. And so we can just trust at just the right time. It echoes all throughout scripture at just the right time. And so in the midst of the waiting and in the unknown and not fully understanding all of this, what do we do? We continue to do this. We pursue holiness and we rejoice in the fruits of that holiness. This is 12.10. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined. Like we, we get to experience this holy. And so when the, when the end times comes, there, there are things that we know and things that we don't know because God has chosen not to reveal them to us. But there's one thing that we can be certain about is that that is how you live honoring Jesus with your life all the way up until the end time happens. And there is this good news. God, God will see to it that the things related to our redemption are going to happen. He, he will see to it that the things that, that we need to happen are going to happen. What does, what does it say? One more time. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined. And who does that? These are acts of the Father. These are acts of God. These are things that God is going to do. And then the other side of that, the enemies of God, this is what they get. But the wicked will act wickedly. None of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. The wicked will continue to be wicked, They will not have an understanding even though they pursue it. And who gives understanding? God does. And so this is our our promise that we endure in. He he says, pursue holiness, rejoice in the fruits that God pours out. It's the fruit of the Spirit on you. We're seeing it in Daniel. It echoes loudly. And those that aren't in that get this, lack of understanding and a wicked life. And then verse 11. From the time the daily sacrifice is abolished, that means so we're in the end times and the Antichrist has now gotten rid of worship. That's what this is talking about. From the end time, that's like gathering with church. The daily sacrifice is abolished. And the, here's that word again, abomination of desolation is set up. This is like a pagan worship. There will be 1,290 days. Happy is the one who waits for and reaches 1,335 days. But as for you, go on your way to the end. You will rest and then you will stand to receive your allotted inheritance at the end of days. So I read this first part and I can understand verse 11. The Antichrist is going to try to do away with our daily type of worship, our gathering with God's people, our 
communion with one another. He's going to build up this type of pagan response to him, pagan worship. That's the abomination of desolation. Jesus mentions it too. When that's set up, it's going to be 1,290 days. I have no idea what that means. Pretty much every commentary I've read, they are humble enough to go, we have no idea what that means. If you run across somebody that says, I know exactly what that means, they're arrogant and they probably don't know. Because for all of church history, we just haven't figured that out. Happy is the one who waits and reaches 1,335 days. I don't know what that means. Um, it's just, it's a number. But as for you, here's the promise. When we, we don't have these, this understanding of this, but your call is this. Go on your way, where? To the end. He is calling you to endure to the end. Why? Because at the end, there's a comma, it says, you will rest and then you will stand to receive your allotted inheritance at the end of days. So we, we continue, when we think about the end times, we endure all the way until the end because you know that what? It is worth it. It's, it's worth it. This, this book concludes with this personal word from Daniel where he's going to all of us. He's going, hey, go on your way until the end. I mean, this is God speaking to Daniel. He's going, hey, Daniel, you're in your last days. This journey that, that is now written in this book has been a pretty unbelievable one. Remember the lions? Yeah, that was pretty wild. Remember your boys that were thrown into the furnace? That was a pretty unbelievable thing. Remember some of the visions that you had? You threw yourself on the ground just ready to die? And, and all of this stuff that Daniel would walk through, he gets to the end and he goes, hey, Daniel, you're not done yet. It's not over. That You still have work to do. And you're going to realize when the work is done, your work is finished when I take you home. And this is a cool promise to you because a lot of you are setting yourselves up for like the fancy job that leads to a fancy retirement so that you can like buy a boat and just cruise. And God is probably gonna wreck you of that because if your story is gonna be anything like Daniel's story, I mean, hopefully I don't hear you getting tossed into a lion's den, but I, it would be cool if you survived it. But I think that all of our stories are gonna be like Daniel's story here at the end where he's going, I'm writing the story and you don't get to choose when it's over. I'm writing this story and you don't get to retire. You may retire from a job, but your mission is going to continue until I bring you home, until the allotment of your days is complete and then you enter into rest and then you receive your inheritance at the end. This is what is promised to us. And so our duty, go, make disciples, proclaim my word out loud and endure. Why? Because something amazing is at the horizon when you get there. This is for all of us. Do your job. Make disciples. Proclaim his word and endure. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come back up. We're going to worship. And then we're going to get out of here. Uh, God, we, we thank you. Um, <laughs> again, I said it before. I, I thank you for an opportunity to just contend with Daniel. I thank you that your spirit has... Um, brought it to understanding in ways that I never could. And we thank you for just a clear, like really, really clear call to discipleship that's wrapped up in this understanding of what it's gonna look like at the end, even when we don't fully understand it, even when it's not fully revealed, the promises aren't completely made true to us. Um, we can look at it and go, you have this, you have us. You're writing the story and it's gonna come to an end at just the right time. And so in that, our call is to run. It's to endure by your spirit. It's to engage, to immerse ourselves in your word and to see it multiplied in our life to where other people see it. And it's to enter into the same work that Jesus did to make you famous so that lost people will come to know you with this understanding that the resurrection is a real thing. 
we all get to experience it. And we should be mindful of the separation that's gonna take place there. And so would you stir our affections? Like I, I, I know like every time we plan these series and they land this way, I'm, I'm often amazed, but I, I shouldn't be caught off guard. Like you, you want us to teach through this so that we can send students home into a lot of them into lost homes, into lost relationships, into engaging with people who have no relationship with Jesus. And, and you're stirring their affections for that. And may this multiply that. May their thirst and hunger for you come out in ways to those that they're around that is beautiful, that they couldn't help but ask about this Jesus, and that you would use students in this room to bring about salvation in family and in friends and in communities in ways that we haven't seen. And may we be quick to engage um, in this thing called discipleship, like running after you, sitting in this promises, knowing that the, the end is a thing and having just parts of it revealed to us should motivate us even more. And so stir us towards that tonight as we respond and worship. Maybe we just need to, to sit in that for a little while and, and maybe write down some names and uh, continue to build just that list of people that we're praying for. And maybe we need to, to work on restoring some relationships even outside of this room. So we need to write some of those things down. And maybe we just need to be strengthened by your spirit because we already know what you're calling us to. We're just afraid. And we need a boldness. And so like Daniel, God's like, I'm not gonna show you all of it. This is what I need you to do. Just go on your way. And that's not go away from me. That's as you walk, make me famous. And so would you maybe just give us the boldness to take the next step? But we trust you with all of that, knowing that you're the God who is the Lord of the harvest. We just get to be a part of that in some small way. So have your way. Again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's living, and it's active. It changes us, and may it be true in this room as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen.